Spectrum Mobile is reinventing wireless again. Get unlimited on two-plus lines for $29.99 a month per line. No contracts, no added taxes or fees. Includes nationwide 5G. Save up to 60% with Spectrum Mobile. Get unlimited on two-plus lines for $29.99 a month. Call 855-438-2999 or visit a store near you. Offer valid for new customers on two-plus unlimited lines. Spectrum internet required. Savings based on two-line comparison of unlimited plans among major national carriers as of 9-2021. Prepaid excluded. Restrictions apply. Welcome to SEO 101, your introductory course on search engine optimization. So, turn on your computers, open your minds, grab your mouse, and get ready to get back to the basics. SEO 101 on webmasterradio.fm is now in session. session. Hello and welcome to SEO 101 on webmasterradio.fm, episode number 322. This is Ross Dunn, CEO of Stepforth Web Marketing, and my co-host is John Carcutt, the Vice President of Strategy for Reflexive Media. Hey, bud. It's been a busy day. Hey, hey. Oh, man, it's been crazy. I'm just still trying to find spring. <laughs> uh, yeah, you guys are, aren't you? I know. Here. It's it's still snowing here. I woke up to snow, snow this morning. It's oh. crazy. No, thanks. We finally don't need a jacket so much here. <laughs> I'll take that. <laughs> yeah, the back east uh, has been uh, having a rough time by the looks of it. Yeah, but it's 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 all good. Summer's here. Get rolling. Yeah, yeah, it should come at some point. Anyway, <laughs> I think that it must be coming this this weekend, right? I mean, it can't be continuing. I don't. I don't yeah. know. I'm just trying not to talk about weather because we decided we were yeah. never going to do that. We always yeah. do. So <laughs> you did bring it up. You know, I did. It's my fault. <laughs> All right. But I was also trying to get out of it. So. <laughs> um, okay. Well, why don't we lead with what you put on here first in our notes? Yeah, it was very interesting. I saw an article today that uh, people are trying something a little weird um, to keep their sites from getting put into the new mobile first index. Basically they're not making their sites mobile friendly because if, if you're not aware the the mobile index to get put in there it's not based on search volumes or anything like that it's based on the tech technology if your site is mobile friendly there's a good chance you're going to get moved into the mobile index if it's not they're not moving you over yet they're giving you time to to, to fix the problem before they put you in well people are there, there's some webmasters deciding that well i'll just leave my site not mobile friendly and i'll always be in the desktop index it's not going to work that way long term I, I would not recommend doing that it's not a good strategy um, make your sites mobile friendly, not only just for, for Google, but for the people who use your sites. You know, more than half the people um, are, are searching on Google on mobile devices. So even if you're found in desktop search and someone goes to your site and it's not mobile friendly, more than half of your audience is going to turn around and leave almost immediately just because of that. So fix it. Make it mobile friendly. Hey, man. Yeah, that's I'm, a great I'm, idea. I'm step down off my soapbox now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, you, I mean, it's not many people, if anyone, has succeeded by trying to uh, stop progress when it comes to the internet. Um, you know, at least not stop it. I should say this happened a few times, but yeah. try to resist it because uh, yes. it's happening. Uh, there's no doubt. 
a, a robots dot a robots dot text with a meta no index could stop progress. Yes, it sure could. Yeah, just block the search engines. That'll do yeah, it. Yeah, that'll do it. You don't need business, right? Wow. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Just keep your SEO up. Wait a sec. Hmm. <laughs> anyway, that's uh, great. So yeah, it's important everyone knows that that is not a good practice. Um, next up is something I saw, and I had I just noted I noted it in the last minute because I thought it was gave me a chuckle. Um, it's from the New York Times, and the title is "Marissa Meyer is still here." Marissa Mayer is still here. Um, so Marissa was the CEO of Yahoo before it got bought and pretty much fell apart. Um, she and, had a sweetheart golden parachute too, by the way. Oh, <laughs> bloody heck, did she ever! And and she, I mean, apparently she tripled profits for investors during the time she was there. So, uh, yep. And she's previous uh, Google too. So her her pedigree is pretty good. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Anyway, so she's taken over a new office space that was where PayPal started, and it was the old Google offices. So she figures that's good juju. But amongst the questions, I actually didn't read them all. There may be even more interesting ones here, but I thought this was going to give me a kick. Uh, uh, the question was, to quote, what kind of managers were Larry Page and Sergey Brin during the early days? And how did you think about developing your own manage, management skills? Unquote. Unquote. So her answer uh, is, quote, Larry and Sergey just yelled at us until we became what they needed us to become and get done what they needed to be done. So I said, look, I'm going to rinse and repeat that, hopefully with less, with less yelling. We ultimately brought in management coaches and all kinds of mentoring. Unquote. I, I don't know. Why did that give you a kick? I guess it's just you wonder how things happen behind the scenes, and, and that didn't seem very tongue in cheek. <laughs> yeah, and it's it's kind of it's kind of interesting to visualize that when there's like maybe twenty people at Google and they're trying to figure out what's the next move, and can can envision these guys just yelling and screaming to try to get stuff done. I'm it surprised. Make any sense, really? Does it? <laughs> yeah. How did that work? Um, Anyways, let's just hope most of it was in time. Maybe that's maybe that's where they did all the uh, the, the free stuff because they felt so guilty about yelling and screaming at people, you know. <laughs> well, she's not revealing what she's up to, but uh, should be interesting to see. Maybe she's still trying to determine that direction. She appears to be uh, interviewing people and just sort of finding out what's happening and what you know what what is. I, I heard a rumor. Oh yeah. She's going to start an SEO company. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Well, as long as she buys us all up. Uh-huh. <laughs> yep. We don't have to work for her. I was going to interview, but I told her I, ha- I would only come on if, if I could bring you with me, Ross. Oh, geez. Well, you definitely didn't get that interview. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, just a, a little note I saw in the, in the, the press. I thought it was kind of a fun one. Anyway. Um, the next one is very cool. It was on CNBC.com, and it's good to see this getting some press. The, the title is, These Online Volunteers Fight Fake Reviews, Ghost Listings, and Other Scams on Google Maps, and Say the Problem's Getting Worse. Unquote. Duh. So, yeah. <laughs> but it was, it's duh to us, but it's not to the public, right? Yeah, that's true. And that's important that this gets some press. So, um it's it's got Mike Blumenthal in it, a number of other people. Uh, obviously, Mike's what drew my attention to it. Um, and I love how uh, they note Mike Blumenthal is one of the best known Google Maps junkies. <laughs> junkies. <laughs> I'm sure he loved that term. <laughs> yeah, I got about that one. Um, 
uh, the nice. name for them. Anyways, it, it gets into um, some of the common spam that's out there. Um, it's pretty revealing. I mean, it's, it's nothing that people haven't seen before if you've been in the market, but if you haven't, uh, it's, it's pretty interesting. I mean, it's one of the examples is someone determined that um, just a block away was apparently a service provider, but it wasn't. It had actually just faked that location in order to get found because they know that um, local search, from a phone anyway, um, mostly targets what's nearby. It's going to show you first what's nearby, as long as, of course, it has some of the other things in in tow, such as views and such. In any case, um, these are just examples of some of the ones that were were found. Uh, He also noted... Um, let's see, I'm just looking for a quote here. Um, I know I had it there. Dang it. Um, <laughs> it it's really, while you're looking, it's really interesting. The ghost listing things, I think, is one of the biggest problems um, facing Google Maps right now because there are numbers of ways for, for businesses to create listings in communities where they don't actually have physical locations because but they want to service that community and those really really gum up the works really bad okay here so here it is um the first one was about uh reviews however i'll I'll just rewind to that note i had about the business that was nearby so here it is the quote and this is uh, tom waddington was noting this so he received a note rather rather a routine notice from google um, asking him to to contribute information about a local urgent care center. In fact, it was nearby in his neighborhood and was only a few houses down. (laughs) He's like, I don't know of that. So he opened the app and sure enough, this is quoting here, one of the houses next door was listed as a clinic. A telemedicine company that also made house calls had falsely claimed that physical address, that physical address to try to increase business. The scammers hoped potential patients would search maps for urgent care centers nearby, then call its number to schedule a house call or virtual appointment, unquote. Um, Now that was one. The rest of it was reviews and this is rampant garbage reviews um, and they even show how you can go to fiverr and request um pay someone to to give reviews there's people that oh, are yeah. pu- publishing i will leave review for any google business for five dollars uh, yep and, and, they do, and they do it yep and google doesn't seem to do anything about it and you know it, it may seem like that's being harsh but mike blumenthal that made some good points in that you know, these people could have reviews for uh, <laughs> for a place in Texas, a place in Victoria, a place, you know, where they, they rented a, apparently rented a power washer and then a garage door rep- uh, repair place in Texas. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's they, just, they, they move around a lot. Yeah, yeah apparently. <laughs> they could have done a day-to-day, though, too. But so, so there's obvious flags here. And if, if Google would just do a better job of filtering that, it would be impressive. Um, now, they get really slammed in this, which I think is a good thing. They need to get some. But you, but you know, as, as soon as Google puts some kind of algorithm to, to fix that, the Fiverr people will say they'll get smart. They'll, for, like if I was one of them, I'd say leave reviews for any, any local business in Northeast Ohio. Right, yeah. and they'll start they'll start narrowing it down. I mean, the Fiverr people's business will slack off a little bit, but the people that are doing it will be it'll be actually they'll be able to do it again, right? So it's it's, a, know, it's an it's, ongoing battle. It's just 
when you see something this blatant and Google still hasn't done anything about it, I mean, we're talking years, it's pretty revolting. Uh, with the, the level of their algorithms, you'd, you'd think they'd have this pegged quickly. Yeah, but see, I still find I still find listings in organic search that lead to 404 pages. But not nearly as rampant. <laughs> not as bad as it used to be, but they still exist. There's always going to be outliers. But but in, in this case, you're absolutely correct. There's The local search stuff is just bad. It really is. It's so easy to, to, to get information in that platform that is just incorrect. Yeah. Whether it be reviews, whether it be ghost listings, whatever it is, it's it's too easy to manipulate at this point still. Yeah, and people are also, um, you know, using the questions and answers to post stuff that's incorrect. Uh, they're um, posting fake reviews that are negative as well, so some negative posting to yeah. target competitors. It's uh, it's the wild wild west. It's. Uh, but and part of that's fun <laughs> from our perspective, but then it gets to a point where, like I just said, like just come on, guys, Google, you can do better. Than this. <laughs> I, used to, I used to love that show when I was growing up, Wild Wild West. The Will yeah. Smith movie really sucked, though. Just have to say. Yeah, I'm afraid I was. I, I'm not even sure I was born then when you're watching that, but uh, there you go. Probably um, not. <laughs> um, okay, let's uh, take a quick break. When we come back, we're gonna jump into review gating. SEO 101 will be back right after recess. AM Days 2018 comes to Las Vegas, May 16th and 17th. Register now at amdays.com. Make the most of your performance marketing with help from some of the most iconic brands, including Microsoft, Capital One, Uber, Backcountry, and many more. AM Days 2018 brings together a powerhouse of industry leaders and dealmakers to network and share insights on the latest practices and cutting-edge updates in performance marketing and more. Make plans to be in Las Vegas for our landmark 10th event. AM Days 2018 Las Vegas, May 16th and 17th. Webmaster Radio listeners can save 20% on two-day and combo passes using promo code WMR20. Register now at amdays.com. There are over 70 million active podcast listeners in the U.S. WebmasterRadio.fm reaches them all with the largest global distribution of any online business-to-business podcast network through iHeartRadio, iTunes, Stitcher, we can target and place your message in front of those active listeners immediately. Now, your message can be delivered with less commitment and investment on over 20 hours of weekly original content hosted by the most respected names in digital marketing. Email sales at webmasterradio.fm today and get your message delivered now. Do you look at the task of ranking your site at the top of the search engines like you would climbing the top of Mount Everest? It doesn't have to be. TopSEOs.com knows how hard that climb can be, and they can make top ranking a reality. Top SEOs send you to only the right search vendors and agencies that they know will work for you. Since 2002, TopSEOs.com has reviewed and researched the best search engine marketing agencies and solutions providers. Don't risk the cost of falling off the proverbial peak of search rankings. Let Top SEOs give you peace of mind. TopSEOs.com, the independent authority on search vendors. Okay, class, take your seats and no talking. Recess is over and SEO 101 is back in session. Only on webmasterradio.fm. Welcome back to SEO 101 on webmasterradio.fm. 
hosted by John Carcutt, the Vice President of Strategy for Reflexive Media, and myself, Ross Dunn, CEO of Stepforth Web Marketing, Inc. So now that we're back after that amazing cliffhanger I gave you on review getting. Um, <laughs> that was, that so was a good one. I was on the edge yeah. of my seat. Yeah, 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 exactly. Um, <laughs> uh, what the hell is review getting? Fair question is, okay, so Get Five Stars was a good example of a company that did this, but they were among many. And what they were doing, because it was still within Google's guidelines, um, was they were soliciting a review. Let's say you have someone come into your um your practice, uh, if you're a dentist, and you send, you, you say, to them, "Can I please have a review? Uh, Would you be willing?" Sure. So you, they, you send them a, a a link. They click on the link from home or their mobile phone. They they then go to a page which gives. They're allowed to give a rating out of ten, or whether or not they they liked or didn't like the service. Let's say they they chose they did not like the service. Then they would be sent through a different funnel, which would prevent them to some degree of being able to go to third-party sites online to leave a review. So in this case, they'd be sent to this thing, well, please, uh, we're going get, to get in touch with you immediately to uh, try and fix this, and we'll, uh, we'll be in touch very soon. The end. Now, if they said they liked it, they would have been sent directly to a place where they could fill out, uh, well, the other one would have also had a chance to fill out the review, but after the review was posted to their own website, um, they would have a chance to go to third-party sites like Google and Facebook. Those would then be shown to them as well. So what Google is saying is you're not allowed to do that anymore. Negative or positive, you have to show them third-party opportunities. See, that doesn't make sense to me. That's giving them the opportunity to leave the reviews. I I was under the impression of review gating is when you publish, and Get Five Stars did this as well, when you publish those reviews on your own site – Get Five Stars gave you the ability to say only publish reviews that have a three star or better. Don't publish anything less or three and a half stars or better. That sounds like review gating to me. To me, what you just described is good customer service, right? If you have a problem, contact us. We want to help you work it out is good customer service. I don't see how Google can try to to, uh, put guidelines on how you do your customer service. That doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah, I know. But you can see why they want it done, obviously, from their own perspective. They want to ensure that uh, a a natural uh, assortment of reviews are coming through and not just only positive ones, which is, of course, what we all want. (laughs) I mean, from running a business Mm. perspective, they're saying, okay, you know, yes, you can find out where the person's got a negative uh, issue with your business, but you still have to give them that opportunity to go online and and. And leave a review, which, um, yes, you can, you'll still get a chance to, to counter their issues, you know, talk to them and try and work it out. Anyway. How, how does Google know if you're doing that? I mean, if it's, if it's a process that you're, that you're, I mean, through a system like Get Five Stars, they could tell them, don't do this, and Mike's going to have to change it. Um, however, if, if you're, someone leaves a review on your site, and it goes to your back-end processing how the hell does Google know what your backend process is, is doing with that review? That's it. They don't. And I think I believe Joy Hawkins was saying that um, it, I mean, just as we all know, there's no way for Google to know. The only way they would know is if someone were to report that a specific system mm-hmm. was in breach of their guidelines. Now, we had this was tele, telegraphed to us ages ago that this was coming. So. Um, 
as predicted, Get Five Stars already had this ready to turn on. So literally, Mike just went and said, "Okay, disable it." Bang, everything was fine. <laughs> You're usually the one that's anti Google. This one pisses me off. I don't think Google should be doing this. I totally would get it if they're saying if you're publishing reviews on your site, you need to publish them all, not just the good ones. That I get. But to, to how you're handling your quest customers' feedback, they're trying to trying to, to push you in one direction or another. That is outside of, in my opinion, it's outside of their purvey or purview, whatever it is. They should not be doing that at all. Sure. That, piss, yeah. that, that, that pisses me off. Yeah, well, I don't like it when they tell us to do anything <laughs> in our businesses. You know, I think I've always been of the opinion that they need to adapt to what businesses do and just work around it. They've got the, the technology. They've got the brains. Do it. But, no, uh, they know they've got a lot of power. Now, I don't know how well I explained it, so I'm just going to read this. It's not very long, and this is uh, Joy, um, Joy Hawkins' ex- explanation. Quote, unquote, review gating is the process of filtering candidates before asking them to leave you a review. Normally, this is done by sending all customers an email template and asking, first asking them if they had a positive or negative experience. If they had a positive experience, they are asked to leave a review on Google. But if they had a negative experience, they are prompted to leave private feedback and are never sent the option to leave a view, review publicly. Uh, business owners historically have loved this feature because they are terrified of negative reviews and would love the opportunity to only have five-star reviews. For more on why this is a bad strategy, read this study, unquote. So she has examples of why, you know, you don't, don't just want five-star. First of all, it's clear. That does not look good. Um, and you don't have to have it that way. You can have it set it up so that a person gives, let's say, a seven out of ten or less. If, you're, if it's a ten-point a ten scale, that's when they would go to the negative or five-point or less or whatever. That way, when they go online and they leave a review, they can still leave a four out of five. And I think that looks way more realistic. Mm-hmm. But that said, all that's not possible now. Um, oh, it, oh, it's possible. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Hey, you. Um, if a person, uh, now, as a final note here, she says, if a business continues to review gate and someone reports them, Google will likely remove the reviews from that date onwards. Nasty. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's going to hurt quite a few they get caught in this so good note to to try not to mess with it you know once once again we just have to bow and do what they ask or take some risks if you don't yeah. all right uh the next is a ebook on google q a so google questions and answers we've talked about this a few times in the past yep. um Good old Mike had told us he was... Uh, Mike's getting some serious coverage today, man. Yeah, well, you know, I went through... I, I get a lot of local email newsletters, so I usually see lots of his stuff. But in this case, uh, this Is was... Because he's a junkie. Yes, he's a junkie. He is everywhere, man. I don't know what the hell he doesn't do anything else. Anyway, <laughs> um, <laughs> he uh, he had, I think, on our last show when we had him as an interview, he was mentioning he was doing this ebook on Q&A. Right. Uh, or very least a tutorial. So it's now released. Um, it's on streetfightmag.com. <laughs> uh, streetfightmag.com. Anyway. That's a, that's a new one. It's actually, um, it's been around for a while. Him and um, David Mim have street fight chats when essentially they're talking about, I, I don't know really why it's called street fight, but anyway, they've been doing it for a long time. Um, I think it's once a week or once every two weeks, they have a, a, a fairly advanced chat about local SEO and what's going on and discuss things together. Cause they're both well, well, uh, 
well-known and know their stuff. So it's, they're always interesting. Um, okay, so in this case, Mike, here's a quote, says, having a focused conversation around locations is likely to be both exciting and scary for a brand. It is exciting in that it offers an on-the-ground opportunity to engage with customers in a hyper-localized way. It's scary because social conversations left unmonitored or unengaged can lead to painful outcomes. Now, what we're referring to here, and on this page, he actually has examples of bad Q&As, um, is when the public can propose a question and the public can answer it on your behalf. Damn it. Uh -huh. um, and there are some examples there that are <laughs> pretty horrendous. Oh, um, yeah. <laughs> so I would strongly suggest, um, we mentioned this before, create your own questions and then answer them yourself. Um, just get a number of them in there. You'll never be able to completely stop this, but at least if some of the main questions and answers are in there, uh, you'll be ahead of the game. And this yeah. is within Google My Business. And I've downloaded the PDF. I haven't read, read it yet, but it's definitely something to be on, be on alert for. If, you're, if, if, if local search is a big deal to you, get local foot traffic definitely need to be on top of those q a's absolutely so last one before the next break here uh, google has partnered with legit script to certify addiction treatment center advertisers now this is a bit outside of the seo realm but i thought it was interesting because i don't know it sort of shows the big brother thing here so in this case um addiction centers um well, we're setting up referral networks where there were referral network businesses that were saying they had addiction treatment centers in specific areas, and they didn't. And what were happening was they were getting the calls for people who needed help, and then they were reselling that lead to the actual centers nearby, which, of course, just crams Google full of garbage. Yeah, I'm not sure why, but addiction treatment centers are – the people that market those, it's just a it's – a, it's a really – nasty space to, to compete in there's a lot of bad actors in there on the seo side and i don't know why i've had a lot of run-ins with people that are focused on addiction treatment centers it's not it's, it's I'm glad, I, yeah i'm glad they're doing something about it for sure yeah, yeah. now um we actually have semi-partnered with a, a person who does a lot of that um who has a lot of those kind of clients he does video marketing and such for them. So we're starting to take over the SEO for um, addiction treatment centers. It is very tough. You're absolutely dead on. It's yep. and, and, and the amount of spam is unbelievable. Um, that said, you know, we always do what we do and just go ahead with the best possible white hat and just hope that, well, and it usually does, things shake out and the, the right people end up at the top or close to yeah. it. Oh, well, it kind of goes back to the, the story we talked about earlier about all the spam and local search, too. They're the kings of it. They do a ton of that stuff. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Now, legit script. One thing that sort of shocked me about all this, you know, I really wonder, like, legit script already does this for other businesses. How sweet a gig did this be? How did they get this gig? So Google has partnered. They're getting... They're charging, I think it was a thousand bucks, and for this review or five hundred, and then two thousand a year to keep it up. Is each. it? Is this primarily for uh, PPC advertisers or yes. AdSense advertisers? Yeah, only paid ads. Okay. Um, they they should they should roll it over into local as well, kind of like you verify person in Facebook. They should verify some of those businesses. Yeah, and then it would be pay-to-play just to be in there. But for specific business yeah. types like locksmiths, that wouldn't be a bad idea. Yeah. Um, uh, anyways, I still wonder how, you know, I wonder if they 
buy a percentage of these businesses before they, they, they create these agreements? I don't know. So here's the deal. Charge $9.95 upfront and then $19.95 annually to continue the vetting to ensure that they're always uh, a good true business and they're in their location. They promise they are and et cetera, et cetera. Um, they, in January this year, Google removed all rehab facility ads in the U.S. and U.K. So that was a bit of a slam. Can you imagine how bad that would be in our business for these guys? Oh, oh, oh yeah, definitely. Oof. wonder how many went down. Because I guess the big question now is what industry is next, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and like, you, as listeners know, we... I was going to say, you mentioned locksmith. There's all, there's been historically been a bad, the locksmith things have been bad as well, but they can't afford those kind of prices like an addiction treatment center could. It's, it'll be interesting to watch this. I'm not sure. Yeah. Well, those rates are pretty high, but I mean, locksmiths and, and this, the other one is really bad are garage door companies, apparently. Yeah. I would have guessed. But anyway, um, you know, they make a ton of money. If it's an extra 500, let's say they made it a thousand bucks a year. It's certainly it's something no one wants to spend, but if it's going to take out those bad actors, I'm all for it. Yeah, it, it could actually, you know, if, you, if you're forced to pay that money and the, the bad actors are not, you know, can't even have the opportunity to pay that money, it's going to increase your business because they're not going to be stealing your business like they were. Yeah, I think it, they. I think the company should start pushing for this actually because they're going to be in a better space to do well. You know, they're not going to be fighting against stuff that doesn't exist. Um, and that $1,000 will come back quickly. Uh, that's my belief anyway. Not that I ever liked the idea of paying for anything like this, but the fact is uh, it's gotten out of hand. So. Yeah. Anyways, let's take a quick break, and we'll come back to talk about some schema markup opportunities for SEO. SEO 101 will be back right after recess. The Web Marketing Association is now accepting entries for the 2018 International Web Award Competition. Web Marketing Award winners receive an image plaque, certificate of achievement, higher visibility for your company, valuable feedback from our expert judges, and links to your site from the highly ranked Web Award site. Visit www.webaward.org to nominate your company, site, or organization. Deadline for entries is May 31st, 2018. Go to www.webaward.org and sign up today. WebmasterRadio.fm is the destination for education, entertainment, and engagement. Engage with our panel of on-air experts and peers by following us on Facebook, Google+, Twitter, and LinkedIn. You can listen to WebmasterRadio.fm on air or on demand from our website or through iTunes, Stitcher, or however you get your podcasts. Interact and stay informed. Just search for WebmasterRadio.fm. Are you looking for the best in WordPress speed, security, and scalability? WP Engine is a digital experience platform for WordPress, powering digital experiences for large brands around the world. With easy-to-use site management tools and powerful do-it-your-way development features, WP Engine gives you the flexibility to build it your way. Improve your SEO and conversion rates with a faster site on WP Engine. Learn more on WPEngine.com. Okay, class, take your seats and no talking. Recess is over and SEO 101 is back in session. Only on webmasterradio.fm. 
Welcome back to SEO 101 on webmasterradio.fm. Hosted by John Carcutt, the Vice President of Strategy for Reflexive Media, and myself, Ross Dunn, CEO of Stepforth Web Marketing, Inc. So I saw this today and thought it was kind of cool. Um, yeah. Schema markup is one of those things that people, uh, well, frankly, it's a little more, it is SEO 101-ish. I mean, should most be. Should, yeah, it should be, but it is more technical. Um, I wouldn't say it's out, the, out of the bounds by any stretch for uh, uh, the average person to do, but it will take a little research. Yeah, I mean, if you're if you're getting into SEO and you're just learning SEO and you're trying to understand the difference between an H1 and an H2 tag, you know, that kind of coding, you also need to make sure you understand the kind of coding tied around schema markup. It's just, <laughs> it's, it's more important than your H1 and H2 tags, absolutely. Right. So what is schema markup? How would you describe it? It's, it's... Um, it's micro tags or micro formatting, which has actually been around a lot longer than schema has. Um, but it's basically putting a markup language around data on a page to help the search engine understand what that data is. So if you have a person um, with a profile on the page, you put markup around their name so that the, the search engines know this is a person's name. And then you put it around maybe their date of birth. This is a date of birth. There's all kinds of different types of schema markup. If you go to schema.org, you can drill down and view just, it's it's a pretty in-depth list of the types of schema you can use um, for different types of things to mark up on a page. Yeah. So in this case, uh, there's four examples that uh, the writer Tony Edward provided. Um, and I think there's some good points here. So one of them was brand elements within the organization schema markup. So um, <laughs> when you're adding um, schema to your page, uh, maybe this is your about page and it's about the organization, um, you have the option to add names, but alternate names as well. And I, this is something I read about ages ago, I completely forgot. So this is a good reminder. Um, you can add the alternate versions of your business name, uh, which again can, can help Google see uh, that connection if another format of your business name is out there. And just, just to help people understand, because I just had a really, this is funny, because I just had a really in-depth conversation about brands and um, formal and informal brands uh, for a company um, just the other day. And this is basically what it is. So, like, um, if Federal Express is that's their brand, well, it used to be, and then the informal brand was FedEx or um, Kentucky Fried Chicken was the brand and the informal brand was KFC. I think that's really where you can use those alternates. Both of, In both of those examples, the companies actually switched to their informal brand at one point, but there's lots of, there's lots of examples of that kind of thing. Very cool. Now, another thing you mentioned here is that, uh, to quote, highlighting a customer service or sales number in the organization schema markup can make it more likely to appear in your knowledge graph panel, which can lead to more customer engagement and conversions, unquote. Um, this example uh, he shows has an email and telephone. Uh, now, the email address, and I think this is important, uh, should be your top-level domain. Um, it just looks way more authentic, uh, so it shouldn't be... Uh, well, in this case, this company's called Ruben Board. Wouldn't be RubenBoard at gmail.com. Frankly, I just don't think that looks good. I've had a lot of clients that do that, and I try hard to get them to move to a, uh, you know, contact at RubenBoard.com. You know, yep. uh, it it just <laughs> it looks so much more professional, um, and it's less likely to be hacked, right? Because for us, for all they know, they're uh, 
the schema is being hacked and someone else is getting those those um, reviews or requests. Anyways. Right. Yep. Uh, the next bit here is image gallery schema markup. Um, <laughs> I look at these and kind of get a little dizzy because really what it is is you can add um, the type, so image gallery, URL of the product in the picture. Usually this is done on an e-commerce site that's showing, let's say in this case, they're showing a drop leaf table and show different versions of the photo. Then a thumbnail URL. Um, now in this case, there's only three of them. That's fine. Um, I've mm -hmm. seen somewhere it gets absolutely a ridiculous how much data you can put in. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and that's when I get a little overwhelmed. That's when it requires think, some heavy coding. Yeah, and I think real estate is another good place to use those because when they put up houses, it's like, here's 37 pictures of this house. And in those kind of galleries, this this would make a lot of help. This would be a lot of help as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, anyway, there's a lot in this. By the way, this is on searchengineland.com, and the title uh, is Four Underutilized Schema Markup Opportunities That Impact SEO. Uh, Highly recommended. It's a really good write-up. So good, good on you, Tony Edward. Um, app schema markup. So if you've got an app, uh, there are a few things there. We won't get into that because it's a little more in-depth, but it's not complicated. It's, <laughs> if you're getting an app done, you've got to have this stuff anyway, pretty much. SEO 201. Yeah. <laughs> um, next is a schema person markup on employee profiles. Um, now, in this case, it says this is an opportunity to mark up the information for executive teams and others, which often includes the employee's name, title, and photo, and sometimes a short description. This can help your site to power knowledge graph results and appear in certain results for your employees. I don't think this is really important unless you've got some really well-known employees, I guess. Uh, not sure. Do you, do you have a knowledge graph that comes up when your name's typed in? You Never. do, but it's not. but it's not you. It's an American historian. Yeah, yeah. He and I talked actually before. He's because we're always running into each other. He's like, "Hey, nice to finally meet you." But yeah, he's a well-known author and um, super educated historian. So, yeah, whole other well world for me. <laughs> now, typically, I think I actually have more exposure than he does, but <laughs> he can't beat an author when it comes to uh, links. Um. Anywho, that was a tangent. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so as I was sort of, I'll just tie this up in a little bow here. So what I was just saying was the um, employee page, you could add schema. You can have a description, job title, name, job title, uh, again, for the next person description. And, you know, put all the information you want in about the people along with their images and such. Uh, it's probably overkill again, unless you have someone who's got a fairly strong name in your business anyway that was the there were four there i believe i covered all four um yeah we just didn't cover the schema which was less important for uh apps now what is next here buddy oh <laughs> uh oh okay so we were a while ago we talked about google job postings so you were able to add schema on your site if you've got job postings Mm -hmm. Well, predictably, Google's had a penal <laughs> action for this because people are abusing it. <laughs> what? People abuse stuff at Google? I know. This is so funny. Like, it should almost someone should have a poll how long it's going to take for them to have the manual action or some sort of penalty. Yeah, we should go back and listen to our show when we were talking about that. I bet one of the two of us predicted that it was going to get abused. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, sure. Um, so, in this case... Um, 
it isn't a quote here. This is from Jennifer Slag over at SEM Post, uh, the SEM Post, I should say, dot com. It isn't clear if they'll be using a Google Jobs specific schema manual action or if it will be under the current schema spam manual action. But if it is the latter, that could mean a site would lose all their markup in the search engines, not just the job related ones. So that's they're saying is uh, right now, if you do use schema, and this is from a broad perspective, uh, it could be on the employee bios, it could be anywhere, um, and you abuse it, you put in too much information, it's obviously spammy, you can lose all your ability to have that appear on, on search. Well, mm-hmm. in this case, if you do abuse the Google job postings, it's possible you'll be lumped into that as well, or they may have a brand new type of manual action for that. I don't expect they'll have a new one. But. I wouldn't say there'd be a new one. It'd probably be just the standard schema. But when they the give, yeah, they'd probably give you, when they get, when you get one of those schema markup, they give you examples and they'd probably point to the ones at jobs. Yeah. So the, un, under the, um, what, what Google has said here is to quote them, jobs that are no longer open for application must be expired in one of the following ways. Failure to take timely action on expired jobs may result in a manual action. And uh, there's more information on that at uh, developers.google.com. Uh, you just search for job postings and you'll find out more info on that. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> Lastly... What have we got here, buddy? I thought this was interesting. Um, there's a lot of you know talk and discussion in the industry about the new TLDs. You know, there's all kinds of things out there. There's I've got a couple of dot rocks. I actually have SEO 101 dot rocks um, <laughs> instead of dot com. Um, but there was a I thought it was interesting that they're all treated as generic, even if they're a geo targeted. So there's some out there like dot London, dot NYC for New York City. Those ones are not treated as geo specific. Um, like you would think of a dot UK or something like that. They are treated as a generic similar to a dot com. So if you're if you're trying to use that domain like a you know pizza places dot NYC um, you're not going to get an NYC boost in New York City because you've got a .NYC domain. And I thought that was really interesting, um, just that they were able to clarify that for us because I know there's people out there that have been doing that. Absolutely. Hmm. But don't expect to get a geo advantage if you buy one of those geo-focused new T- TLDs. Yeah. There was a time um, where .CAs would. I think maybe the ones well, that, that re- well, require well, that, you to have a physical location there would still have a benefit. Yeah, well, .ca is a country code version. There's lots of country code versions, and those will give you a boost yes, on the, sorry. the country. Yeah, but there's new ones like .london, .nyc yeah. um, that are that in, came out of this last last um, launch of all these brand new domain name types. Those ones don't give you any kind of geo-specific uh, boost. Yeah. And occasionally we get the... Uh, I get the call. Um, should I be getting all these domains? And they were like every top level <laughs> domain. Like, <laughs> like no. So, so the no. one question I do have about this, and they're and you know how Google is, they'll talk about something very specific and ignore the fringe aspects of what's going on, right? If you have a dot London domain, and people link to your site using your domain name, there is now the word London in the anchor text, so you may have the opportunity to do a little better for search terms that contain the word London, only because of the fact that it's going to be impacted by your backlink profile, not because of the domain name itself, right? 
So there's there's there is some question as to is it still viable? Maybe depending on what you're doing, but the domain name itself is not going to give you that boost. You would have to have a bunch of brand new uh, inbound links that that uses the, the name of the site, which may include London, which you know whatever the anchor text is. If they're just linking with the URL, maybe that'll help. Don't know, haven't tested it, but it's mm-hmm. it's a, it's a theory. No, I agree. I think that's a good a good point. It's just like having uh yeah keywords just in in the domain and then having a dot com. Um, people tend to break it all into words and say uh, go to this company at this but, address. Yeah, but Google's done a really good job of dealing with exact match domains um, tied to those keywords, right? Well, yeah, I don't mean so, that. I just mean that when people refer to the website, they often write it in natural language. Yes, and then they true. make a link, and then that that does help because that's keyword anchor text. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anywho, just like calling the name of your business something that's somewhat relevant from a keyword perspective uh, can be good. Again, <laughs> yeah, and just think about it's uh, it's always a nice benefit if that happens. Yeah, and just think about that though. Some of the biggest brands in the world have nothing to do with their names, right? Yes, Google, Yahoo, Apple, Microsoft. Who knows what those words meant before those brands actually became real, you know, recognizable brands? Well, yep. we knew that. We know what Apple meant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I hope you did. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh dear. Anyway, uh, well, with that said, on behalf of myself, Ross Dunn, CEO of Stepforth Web Marketing, and John Carcutt, the Vice President of Strategy for Reflexive Media, thank you for joining us today. Have a great week, and remember to tune into future episodes, which air at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern, every Monday on webmasterradio.fm. Thanks for listening, everybody. The opinions expressed on this program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of WebmasterRadio.fm's management or sponsors. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without authorized consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited. If you've got a passion for pumpkin, you've got to get to Dunkin' and pick these up. Our new pumpkin cream cold brew. Smooth, bold cold brew topped with velvety pumpkin cream cold foam. And our delicious pumpkin spice signature latte. Rich espresso topped with whipped cream, caramel drizzle, and cinnamon sugar. And our perfectly pumpkin donuts, munchkin treats, pumpkin muffins, and more. That's how we pumpkin at Dunkin'. Pick your pumpkin at Dunkin', like our new pumpkin cream cold brew. Pumpkin spice signature latte. And our perfectly pumpkin treats. America runs on Dunkin'. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer. Exclusions apply.